Wait. <laughs> that was a perfect way to start. That was great. I'm so sorry, you guys. I might just, I might I just keep, I might just keep that. No, in. we should keep this. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, welcome back, everybody. Today is what is it? The thirteenth uh, of yeah, January. Thirteenth so. of January. We're into our third month of uh, Israel's genocidal assault on the Gaza Strip. Uh, today, I'm joined by Spencer who is a uh, Palestinian activist. I guess would activist, is that an apt uh, characterization? I hope so. Yeah, for sure. Palestinian activist uh, here in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Uh, Thank you for coming on, man. Thanks for having me. So for you, um, I wanted to ask you, where, where does Palestine, where's Palestinian history start for you? Well, it starts back 4,000 years ago with uh, ancient Philistine known in the bible but uh, i'd like to talk about the precursor to the mandate all the context behind the colonization and the end of the mandate okay i appreciate first of all i want to say i appreciate this so much because relatively my knowledge uh prior to mandate palestine is not uh it's not as good as my knowledge since mandate palestine and i think it's very important too because we tend to uh, kind of construct the idea of Palestinian identity around the occupation, right? Yeah, a, a lot of uh, Zionist myths say that the Palestinian identity is purely reactionary towards their immigration to the Holy Land, but it's uh, clearly not because it dates far back before that. And if you see in the uh, 30 years of British occupation, Palestinians resisted British occupation very hard. Mm-hmm. They're liberation for palestinians has nothing to do with jews or zionism their self-determination was determined by the british colonists and they maintained identity before that and four thousand years before that so and i understand even before um british colonization they were ruled by the ottoman empire yes right if that's correct yes they were still known as palestinians then too right ottoman palestine Ottoman Palestine. Yes. Nice. And uh, like not to go too far back, I'd like to maybe save this for another episode in the future. Oh, yeah, sure. But uh, three, three thousand about 3,000 years ago, the term Palestine was uh, found amongst the uh, literature of the philosopher, the Greek philosopher Herodotus. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, uh, there's a Zionist myth that it was created in 130s AD by uh, Hadrian, the Roman emperor. Uh, to spite the Jews, and when you confront them on that, but hey, Palestine was uh, the name Palestine was used uh, several hundred years before that, and they use the exact same reasoning. Oh, uh, Herodotus created that to spite the Jews, and if you keep going further back, they'll always say that somebody else created Palestine to spite the Jews. But no, uh, early Palestine toponyms predate Israel. So what you said was uh, like Palestine is referenced in Greek writing. Oh, yes. Not just that. uh, Like the uh, Greek philosopher and explorer Herodotus mentioned Mm -hmm. Palestine in his writings. That's just one example of uh, Palestine predating the myth that it was created in the 130s by Hadrian. Okay. So do you know kind of like what year, what time period that would be? Between like uh, somewhere between 500 or 1000 BCE. Mm Mm-hmm. No, I appreciate that a lot. And, you know, I didn't realize that uh, the whole idea of a, pal- of a Palestinian identity was that ancient. Oh, yes, very right? ancient. 
Yeah, if you look at uh, Herodotus's writings, you'll find that uh, it predates the uh, term Israel, and uh, there's no usage of Israel around its time of being. Okay. Not saying that there wasn't a nation in Israel, because biblically and uh, Islamically, there is. So knowing that, that there's such a rich history of Palestine that goes back uh, to ancient times, how do you feel when uh, people make that argument against Palestine and say things like there was never a Palestinian state or anything like that when, we come, when it comes to this Eurocentric idea of nation states? I feel the disservice to everybody. You might as well say that nobody belongs where they are. And everybody is just a construct of a modern time. Therefore, it's okay to erase every single person. Because if you make the claim that uh, people only matter based off of their nation state, you can justify mm -hmm. sing every single atrocity by an expansionist power. Yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of like that kind of goes hand in hand with the with the idea of Zionism, right? Yes. And then you know, and that's why that's particularly why I always make that point is that Zionism is, it equates to fascism in that sense. Oh yeah, there's a bit on that I'd like to tell you about. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, um, founder of the self-described uh, Zionist militia, Stern. Mm -hmm. He described himself as being a terrorist and using terrorist tac tactics such as bombing civilian centers. And uh, at the beginning of the outbreak of World War II, 1939, he actually approached the fascist powers, asking them, endorse Zionist immigration to the Holy Land and help us create a fascist Jewish state and we'll join the Axis. Okay. Yeah. And that's certainly, that is damning testimony, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And that kind of, it sounds, it's eerily similar to something that was said by Theodore Herzl. I'm not sure if you're aware of um, what Herschel said with regards to the colonization of Palestine. Um, but what Herschel, and this is the argument that I use all the time when people try to bring up the idea uh, that Israelis are indigenous to Palestine, uh, is because Herschel, uh, in his first Zionist Congress, he went to all of the imperial powers, right? And he went to uh, Cecil Rhodes, who was the architect of uh, the apartheid South Africa regime. You might know um, from antiquity Rhodesia, which was a colony yeah. in Africa, right? Named after him. And uh, he went to this man who can be considered like one of the fathers of colonialism. And he said, he wrote a letter to this guy and he said, you know, you should take Zionism under your wing because it's right up your alley because it is something colonial, right? And that's what I always say is because, you know, if the founder says it was colonial if you brought him back to this to this day and age right and you said to him that zionism was an indigenous rights movement he would have he would have spat in your face mm. over that and because yeah right I and mean, that's like what you were saying that there's such a rich history of colonialism going hand in hand with zionism with fascism absolutely um and never mind like about that the claim that uh, Zionists are or Jews are indigenous to the Holy mm -hmm. Land. European saying European Jews are indigenous to the Holy Land, blatantly inaccurate, and they they make the claim that at every every turn and corner, that uh, they try to make peace with the Palestinians. The Palestinians mm -hmm. rejected it. And Zionists always extended the olive, olive branch. Blah blah blah. But back in 1942, between uh, May 6th and 11th. In uh, New York, about six six hundred or so foreign nationals from a dozen or two different countries um, convened in this thing called the 
built the the Biltmore program, they discussed displacing Palestinians and expelling Palestinians from the Holy Land to make it a purely Jewish state. Hmm. So what was that called again? Sorry. The, the Biltmore Bilt- program? The Biltmore program. Yes. Okay. I thought you I literally I thought you were about to say Balfour Declaration oh, no. when I heard that. There's so many repetitive meetings throughout the man like throughout the mandate period. Mm-hmm. Like they always re they always reaffirming the same thing. No not really any progress uh being made, just the same thing happening every year. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess um that goes back to like that what you said before, um, that the narrative that we're sold most of the time is that uh, the Jews and the Israelis, by extension, um, are always trying to make peace, and then the narrative is that the, the Palestinians don't want that and that they attack the Israelis, right? Mm. Um, I guess my question is, like, I guess why would, why would they accept that? You know, like, if, if, the, if somebody came over here and started setting up a colony in Nova Scotia from wherever, you know, France, and then proposed this partition plan, like, why would we accept that, right? Yeah. And why would we? Why are we being called the barbarians for not accepting our own dispossession? I don't. Yeah, Palestinians were not in any inclination to accept mm. the Zionist immigration or the Zionist partition. It pretty sure was well known throughout that time that Europe did try to get rid of its Jews out of the blatant anti-Semitism and its collaboration with the colonial powers, because mm-hmm. Zionism is the answer to the Jewish question, to clear Europe. Of all of its Jewish population, I guess that is that is like the gist of it, right? Because Zionism, in the sense of Europe, is a is an anti-Semitic idea of sort of exporting all the Jewish people out of uh, out of Europe into the land of Palestine. Yeah, and that comes from a very uh, dysfunctional person with a lot of internalized anti-Semitism. I mm-hmm. I read up on some of uh, Herzl's writings in his journal. Mm-hmm. He wanted to. Uh, have a mass conversion of European Jews to Christianity to erase their Jewishness. He uh, mocked and was openly disgusted with his Jewish peers, and he raised his son to be a Christian. Hmm. Not sure how much damage that did there, but uh, his son uh, became a priest or something or a religious figurehead, and uh, later killed himself in uh, around his middle age, like forty or something. That's uh, that is certainly quite the dramatic switch then. Yeah. Uh, in terms of Herzl, right? He, he, Going... he was a very dysfunctional person and uh, he came up with a very uh, twisted belief about the Jews. And I, I think a lot of his uh, personal life ha- reflects upon how his ideology functioned. Mm-hmm. I suppose in like the one underlier for his entire uh, like life there is displacement in some sense, right? whether it is displacing Jewish people within Europe uh, via conversion to Christianity or displacing Palestinian people uh, when it comes to Zionist immigration to Palestine. I was just thinking about this last night. I think that uh, Zionist ideology was created by the need of uh, Jewish people in society that wanted to not be alienated from the uh, status quo. So they adapted their own form of colonization and supremacy to have of Mm -hmm. their own. It's like uh, they their their uh, approach to it was not to uh, strive for equality, but to have power, just like the European powers. Okay, yeah, because I guess when you look at Zionism as a nationalism, 
That is the idea is um, constructing another, right? Mm. And then what I see, I, I want to know like your thoughts on this and if you kind of agree with that sense or not. But from what I've seen uh, in terms of Europe, uh, the adoption of Zionism by the European colonial powers, like I don't see that as anything that was uh, like morally affluent, right? In their sense, um, it was purely from anti-Semitism. Yeah, they didn't do it out of altruism. Yeah, for sure. That's the word I was looking for when I was <laughs> thinking like, yeah, um, because uh, it, it provided a very, a very effective way to export Jewish people out of Europe and into Palestine, right? Mm. Um, also, uh, around the uh, start of World War II, the Nuremberg Laws, there was Nuremberg, the Nuremberg Laws implemented where that the Nazi government would make deals with uh, the Zionist body and exchange, uh, in exchange for clearing Germany of Jews, Germany would protect the uh, Zionists uh, out of the country until they made it to Palestine. So, this, so the Nazi government started funneling Zionists into Palestine. I did not know that. There's a lot of fascist collaboration. There, certainly. Oh, yes. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of goes back to something Benjamin Netanyahu said um, when he was talking about the Holocaust uh, with Hitler. Um, he Because he's known to peddle quite a bit of uh, Holocaust revisionism, oh, yeah. uh, specifically for motives behind, like, for motives that have to do with Islamophobia. Um, like, most famously, he said uh, Hajimin al-Husseini, um, was friends with Hitler and was the one who gave him the idea for the Holocaust, which is ridiculous, right? But yeah, you're you're right. We definitely see a lot of uh, kind of like that collaboration between uh, fascist powers on a global scale. Mm. Mm-hmm. I uh, gathered here a uh, timeline that I was making. Uh, it's a personal project of mine. My uh, aunt helped me draft this up, thanks to her. Um, the... Uh, Priming for Palestine for Zionist occupation was actually decades in the making uh, throughout the 1880s to uh, the 1930s. Uh, uh, Zionist Jews held uh, several events lasting years, years long, called aliyahs. It's a, uh, it's a religious term in Judaism for mm-hmm. Jews' uh, pilgrimage to the Holy Land or their immigration to the Holy Land. And... Uh, over like over this period, it would have different amounts of Jews coming in waves, like uh, thirty-five thousand, a uh, quarter million. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was five major aliyahs, like eighteen eighty-two to nineteen o three was the first wave, the first aliyah. And this is all prior to Mandate. British occupation. Yeah, this is under Ottoman rule right here, eighty-two mm-hmm. to o three. Hmm. And you have uh, and then. Do you know, um, like, when these Jewish people migrated to Palestine, was there an intent to colonize? Was there any kind of, like, intent for supremacy? Or was it, um, was it like, an attempt to uh, kind of, like, assimilate into the population? Oh, it was an attempt to take over the land. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, the, the second wave, uh, for example. The second wave of the Zionist immigration. It was 1904 to 1914, and just like a year later, 1905, the seventh Zionist Congress was the seventh Zionist Congress was uh, held uh, a year after the start of the second Aliyah. 
And this just goes to show that before the mandate and before the British promises, the Zionists had always had the intent to seize the Holy Land. Mm-hmm. As is kind of like the manifestation of Zionism. Yeah. Right? And I guess, did they, do you know, did they phrase it in that way? Because I feel like Zionism tends to have so many of these contradictions, right? Because you hear that uh, when they say, uh, people without a land and a land without a people. Mm. So how, like, do you have any idea of how that uh, sort of becomes merged along with the idea of migrating to Palestine? And kind of like, because it sounds like it's coming from a sense that there are already people there, right? Well, that people, the land, land without people is more of a modern concept because uh, around the time of the British Mandate, nearing the end of the British Mandate, there was a million people in the Holy Land, in Palestine. Mm-hmm. And about 10% of them were Jews, Zionist and non-Zionist Jews. Yeah. I think those, we call, we would say Mizrahi Jews. Um, and there was a, that's uh, certainly true. There's a large, and there's a large sect of them that were anti-Zionist. Well, not just Mizrahi Jews, even uh, anti-Zionist Ashkenazi Jews. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there was a uh, branch of Jews who traveled to Palestine uh, to challenged the Aliyah, the Zionist mm-hmm. migration. They established the Palestine commun they established the Communist Party of Palestine. Mm-hmm. Uh and their goal was to break from British mandate and to establish a Soviet Palestine. It wasn't just uh it wasn't just Mizrahi Jews who were already there. It was uh various types of Jews like uh Ashkenazi as well. Mm-hmm. And did this and this group stayed in Palestine? And uh, do you know what they eventually became or if they dissolved? The Palestine Communist Party is still around. Um, Okay. It was founded like 100 years ago. And uh, these these, uh, Jews, they were uh, primarily Yiddish speakers. That was, man, crazy how that would be treated today, or right? Or how that is treated today? Oh, yeah. A Palestinian Communist Party? Like that's both barrels for uh, like demonization, right? And it was founded by Jews, Yiddish Jews. Wow. Yeah, and uh, the, Zion, the Zionist Jews, who uh, there was animosity between Yiddish and Zionist Jews, just like mm-hmm. how there is today. Mm-hmm. Um, that's because there was a, the Zionist movement, the early Zionist movement, held disgust for Jews. And uh, several Zionist uh, figures like uh, uh, Jabotinsky mm-hmm. and Herzl, the founder, they had a deep hatred for them, and they wanted to make a new language. So... You have you have uh, old Hebrew, which has like been dead for like three thousand years. Newly revived newly by the bu- state of yeah, Israel. Right? Newly revived Hebrew is a fusion of Arabic, Aramaic, he, uh, uh, Yiddish, German, and Russian. Mm-hmm. They wanted to create a whole new identity. They wanted to transform the Jewish community. Yeah, and that's kind of like because I watched this video on uh, linguistics, and it's when they talk about like Israeli Hebrew, it's not it's not real Hebrew. It's uh, like a, the best way to describe it is like a linguistic approximation of Hebrew. Yeah. Kind of mixed with uh, the actual roots of the Israelis, which are mostly Europe. Mm. When you bring in, when you mention like Russian and all these other languages. For sure. And, uh, sorry, where were we? Continue. I was going to ask you, um, like if you knew, uh, if, because it was commonplace in Mandate Palestine um, for there to be a certain level of violence between Zionists and anti-Zionist Jewish people. Mm. And do you know if uh, this 
Communist Party, did they have any sort of clashes at all with the Zionists? Uh, so far in my research, I have not found anything as such. Mm -hmm. But uh, the Zionists have been very violent to um, the British. To the British? Yes. Um, the, the, Palestine, the Palestine Communist Party still functions today as an opposition to the Zionists. And there's, now they're uh, very mixed amongst between Palestinians and Jews. But uh, I couldn't find much about their operations in early Palestine. Okay, I asked that because I know um, Zionists did carry out quite a few, like the precursors to what would become uh, like the Haganah and the IDF. They did carry out uh, like assassinations of anti-Zionist leaders. Oh, yes. Right? Mm. They carried out a bunch of assassinations. They, I think they primarily targeted British. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then that's where, that's where you kind of find that birth of the new anti-Semitism. In the sense of, you know, uh, like the Zionists attempt to construct all Jews as Zionist. And that's kind of where you also see the uh, resurgence of the idea of like a bad Jew who does not uh, does not conform to the state of Israel. Mm. Right. With uh, their claims of being the, the monolith of Jewishness, mm -hmm. they're really keeping the stereotypes alive and they're compelling people to hate them even further. Yeah, absolutely. Like I would, you would probably agree with me when we say like that is the real anti-Semitism. Yeah, of constructing every single Jewish person with Israel. Yes, Zionism is the it's the fascist interpretation of who the Jews are. Mm -hmm. It's what the Nazi says the Jews were. It's a it's like a nationalistic uh, construction, yeah. right? Yeah, the, uh, the Zionist ideology embodies everything that the uh, Nazis have said about the Jews, which I don't believe is accurate towards the Jews. Um, the uh, theft, vileness, mm -hmm. um, hatred, greed, death and destruction. Um, exactly what you're saying here, right? Like these forbidden ideas. Yes, Zionism right. is embodying these uh, yeah. ideas of anti-Semitism from uh, Europe about 100 years ago. Yeah, and exactly what you're saying is the same thing that's said uh, by a lot of the Orthodox Jewish community, particularly um, the ones that you see online quite a bit, like the Netri Karta. And uh, yeah, that's their idea, is that um, Zionism is not compatible with Judaism. Definitely not. Uh, because it kind of transfers your subservience and your allegiance from God to a nationalism. Yeah, I raised that point to uh, some uh, some people I knew. A part of, uh, from what, what little I know about uh, Judaism, a part of uh, the covet that Moses made with God was not to have a nation state for the Jews, but for the Jews to be obedient to any uh, state they fall under and be obedient to God. Yeah, I think that's what I said. They were uh, citizens in the world, yeah. right? They were cosmopolitan. Exactly. What do you think of um, what do you think of Christian Zionism? Oh, hey, hi. I'm, I don't know if you've gone this far, right, in like research, but I, have you, do you know like about Christian Zionism? Oh yes, I know about Christian okay. Zionism. I'm always curious to to know like what people, how much people know, and then what their opinions are on Christian Zionism. Well, <laughs> I th I think I know more about Christianity than Christian Zionists do. If uh, if uh, Jesus, peace be upon him, was here right now, I think these Christian Zionists would be the enemies of Jesus. Because I guess it kind of goes against um what they what people would say are his teachings, 
Yes. Right? Yes. And I don't, from what I understand, uh, like Christian Zionism is almost like a, it's, it's definitely anti-Semitic. Um, but it's almost in the sense that uh, they, the Jewish people, are to them a uh, part of this like doomsday prophecy, right? I don't know if you've yeah, read yeah into that. that they endorse the uh, they endorse the establishment of the Zionist state mm-hmm. to basically sacrifice a bunch of Jews to uh, prematurely start the rapture. Yeah, which is is wild to me, right? Because the the majority of like Zionism or the at least the influence the influential Zionists in the United States. Uh, tend to be Christian Zionists. Yeah, and, and uh, even even amongst Christian Zionists, you have some of them that genuinely uh, support and uh, love the Zionist movement, mm-hmm. and uh, they either are dumb or blind. But they, it's it, it's crazy because to them, all, they want all the Jews to be there, yeah, so that they can die, right? And for it, the ones that actually do love the state of Israel, they're either uh, dumb or blind, and they don't realize that. What these Zionists, uh, the, these Zionists detest Jesus. These people. Mm-hmm. That's just, it's crazy. Mm. They think that if they can get enough Jews into this one spot, the rapture will come. It will kill them all. And Palestinians like, are just collateral damage. Exactly. Yeah, but the Muslims have a different belief on that. Do you, what's the Muslim belief? So, uh, like Christians, we believe... Uh, we believe when the Antichrist rides, uh, he's going to wreak havoc for a bit. And then and then uh, Jesus, peace be upon him, mm-hmm. will uh, come back and defeat the Antichrist. Yeah, Islam the only, being the only other religion that accepts Jesus. Mm. So uh, Antichrist rise, Christ defeats the Antichrist. And the Jews, the Jewish belief, mm-hmm. they, they thought Jesus, back 2,000 years ago, they thought Jesus was a uh, false prophet, false messiah. So they rejected him, and they're still waiting for their Messiah, and mm-hmm. their Messiah that's going to come is going to be the Islamic and Christian Antichrist. And like what you're saying here, this goes pretty hand in hand with what a lot of the anti-Zionist uh, religious Jewish people say, right? Is that they need to wait uh, for the arrival of the Messiah. Yes, you can't prematurely start it. It's a sin to prematurely start mm-hmm. it. And that's what they view as uh, the project of Israel, mm. right? Is to f- prematurely start it. Mm. It's like mm. uh, I'm sure you heard only I'm sure you heard the term only God knows the hour. No, They're, I haven't. What's you know the term Joanna? Joanna. Oh, Joanna's here also. By the way, if anybody's interested <laughs> in that. Hello. But uh, the biblical term only God knows the hour. Mm-hmm. Um, the hour being the apocalypse, Armageddon. And uh, the Zionist movement is essentially trying to make the hour, start the hour. No no human can know it except for God. And they're trying to play God in their own hands by starting the hour. I mean, that makes sense to me, right? Because it's like, in a sense, everything that you're saying here is like blowing my mind in a way. I hope so. Because, hope <laughs> right, because you yourself, like you're, you're Muslim, correct? Yes, correct. So... This is like the same thing that I hear some of the most orthodox uh, in the Jewish community saying, uh, like a lot of the same arguments against Israel, mm. right? Is this this sense of uh, it's like a perversion of religion? Yes, I, um, I was saying for a long time Israel's an aberration of faith. Mm-hmm. No, I I mean I'm not a faith based person myself, but I mean like I absolutely agree with that. Mm. Right, it's like you don't have to be religious to uh, 
to understand that the existence of Israel is propped up by uh, satanic inspiration. I'd like to uh, delve into the what led up to the British uh, mandate of Palestine. Mm-hmm. In uh, the outbreak of World War One, the Ottoman Empire got involved, and it wasn't really it wasn't really seen as a valuable front to enter, but the Brits, motivated by supporting the Zionist cause, uh, saw a need to seize parts of the Arabian Peninsula, and they made a they made a deal amongst the British officer uh, McMahon with the uh, monarch of Hejaz, Hussein. Mm-hmm. They decided that uh, they made a deal to have the Arabs fight on the side of the British against the Ottomans to uh, have an Arab independent state. And they made that promise, we'll ensure your independence and your sovereignty. And after the war was won, or nearing the end of the war, they they made this uh, agreement between the French and British, a secret agreement kept away from the Arabs called the Sykes-Picot Treaty. Mm-hmm. Not sure if you're familiar. I'm familiar with that one. Yeah, it was a uh, yeah, it was kept secret from the world. Right. Yeah, it was um, it was meant to uh, div- uh, divvy the land up between the French and British is what they saw valuable. The mm-hmm. French would later on get uh, Syria and Lebanon. Uh, the Brits would get uh, Jordan, Palestine, uh, part of Yemen, Emirates. Uh, uh, Qatar, Kuwait, and I think mm-hmm. Bahrain as well. And I suppose that explains why we didn't see a lot of uh, Zionist courting of the French, because they were uh, they're relatively unaware of the Sykes-Picot Agreement. Not really. Right. Yeah. Um, and the Sykes-Picot Agreement didn't uh, didn't divvy up the land between the Brits and the French. They would actually later come to another agreement of who gets what nearing the end of the war. So you have the, uh, let me find it here. Intermission. Yeah, it was, uh, so Sykes-Picot was uh, ratified and the deal was made on May 19th, 1916. And it wasn't until uh, April 25th, the uh, San Remo, April 25th of 1920, the San Remo Agreement finalized the who would get what. Mm-hmm. And that's where the French would get uh, Syria, Lebanon, and the Brits would get all these little slices off around the Arabian Peninsula. And this this whole idea is just, it's so strange to talk about. Mm. Because here you have all of these European countries that are talking about who's going to get what in a land that is so far away where people are already living, where they have their homes. Mm. And it sounds to me uh, quite a bit like the Berlin Conference. Oh, yes, very much so. Right, where the, they kind of divvied up Africa and, you know, most notably uh, King Leopold owned the Congo. Yeah, uh, the Berlin Conference, early eight, early 1880s, the same time that the uh, first wave of Zionist migration started in Palestine. Hmm. Mm. Same motivation. Yeah. I wonder if the two can be related. Right. It's just, it's it's markedly different, though, because uh, you didn't see, uh, like, such a huge influx of settlers into Africa. Yeah, it's like, right? uh, it was more of a colonial effort, and the state of Israel was more of an imperial effort. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Because then you there you saw um, the value was in the land. Yeah. Um, and then, depending on who you talked to, um, it was either to get the Jewish people to have a max exodus of Jewish people out of Europe, 
or to establish, uh, would you say it would be accurate? Was it to establish kind of like a satellite for colonial Europe in the Middle East, almost in the form of Israel? I think uh, the original support of it was to just rid of their problems. But as they've seen of how much of an asset it became in the Middle East, I think they're mm-hmm. now starting to value Israel more as a uh, satellite in the Middle East, like you said, as opposed to just getting rid of their uh, Jewish problem. Yeah, because I'm thinking about that because that's the way it functions now yes. uh, as almost like a U.S. proxy state uh, to destabilize the Middle East, mm. right? And it's like you need. It's like America already has like uh, hundreds of military bases all over the Middle East, mm. mostly surrounding Iran, but uh, it especially serves their interest to have a government body acting on their behalf. This one, it is a, uh, it is in particular right because yeah. it's a. Uh, it's like a military base that has its own nationalism, its own uh, sovereignty. So there is immediately the sense of responsibility removed um, from the idea of from the United States when it comes to Israel's actions. Right? It gives them more reason to be in the Middle East to uh, defend the sovereignty of their allies. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, uh, stepping back a little bit. I think it's sorry. I, I just like catapulted you right into the oh, future. No when we were talking about 1917. <laughs> no, uh, we can uh, continue, go back at that, but I just yeah, wanted to uh, quickly sure. bring up For early sure. war that uh, early World War One when the British started dividing the uh, they created a division between the Arabs and the Turks, and they destroyed the uh, Muslim Ummah because the Arabs sold them sold them out for nationalism, and just thinking of the mistake that the Arabs made to choose nationalism over the Ummah. Mm-hmm. What is what is that? Oh, the Ummah is uh, basically the congregation of Muhammad, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. Okay. Um, and the what, what I meant, uh, Caliphate. They chose to uh, okay. sell out the Caliphate, the the Islamic nation, to have nationalism ensured by the British, and uh, because of that, because of the arrogance of Arabs, all of this stuff is happening. All the children, all these children are dying. Syria. Palestine, Iraq, Yemen, mm-hmm. because of Arab arrogance to uh, break off from the caliphate and to distinct themselves away from the Turks. So I guess you're saying, in your opinion, uh, it was a mistake to adopt the uh, like Eurocentric idea of yeah, having to like, carve the world up into nation states. It's like uh, the way it is now. I believe uh, Palestinian nationalism is a key priority to support. And I've, I've had arguments about this in the mosques and stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, ultimately, I would believe in bringing back a uh, Khalifa and mm. Palestine falling under that umbrella of that Khalifa. It's just a horrible mistake with uh, British meddling. They completely destroyed uh, the unity of Islam mm. by by giving them uh, toys, weapons, money, uh, nationalism to play with. So that Khalifa that you mentioned, is that how you say it? Did I say it Khalifa, yeah. right? I'm always worried about my pronunciation. Okay. But um, is there, do you see any way that that can be compatible with nationalism uh, in the sense of like a Palestinian resistance? So like right now, I believe that nationalism is a good tool to uh, use. I'm on the, the same boat, yeah. by the way, right? But because I think nationalism be- can become essentialized, but there's a point when it is too much and it's wrong. Yes, right? of course. It's like uh, like reflecting back on how the uh, Brits corrupted uh corrupted the Arabs against the uh, Turks to establish their own mm-hmm. governments. If if the uh, Khalifa, the Ummah, did unite, I would support uh, the reunification right now. But right now, the uh, Arab countries 
are not not engaging in mm -hmm. the uh, Muslim unity. So right now I'm supporting uh, Palestinian nationalism.